podcast. I really hope you like it. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Oh, man, we got a good show for you today. But speaking of good shows, this past weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, was an epic weekend. I got to step on stage at the Grand Ole Opry here in Nashville not once, but twice. It was K-Love Fan Awards weekend. For those of you who don't know what K-Love is, well, K-Love is a nationwide Christian radio network that has played my music over the years, and they have asked me to host their annual Fan Awards. And it's this awesome, it's basically like Nashville has CMA Festival for country music. Well, this is that for Christian music, and thousands of people come from around the country, have a whole weekend of activities at the Grand Ole Opry and at the hotel. It's awesome. Awesome. Last year was canceled for obvious reasons. This year, the people were ready to be back. Now, Saturday night, before the Fan Awards, I actually got on stage at the Grand Ole Opry as part of the Grand Ole Opry lineup with artists like Luke Combs and Lauren Elena, and it was awesome. It was the first night since the pandemic that they were allowed to have a sellout crowd, and it was packed, and the energy was just amazing. And then, Sunday night, I got to host the Fan Awards and got to see some of my artist friends. I'm telling you, just being backstage and being reunited with, you know, Casting Crowns and Crowder and Elevation, Torn Wells, Annie F. Downs was there. I mean, it was so much fun. And I had so much fun that I decided to do a special bonus from backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. They gave me dressing room number one because I'm the host. And so I... I brought some of my friends into dressing room number one, and uh, we're going to put out a special bonus episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for that because we had a lot of fun backstage at the Grand Ole Opry for the Kayla Fan Awards. Now, I was nominated for Male Artist of the Year. Uh, I was in some pretty good company, and I did not take home a trophy this year. And the crowd said, oh. But uh, Zach Williams, the great Zach Williams, the chain breaker, he won. So congratulations to Zach. And um, But I know I'm a winner in your hearts, right, guys? And maybe next year there will be a podcast of the year award, and you can surely cast your vote then. So anyways, I'm excited to share that bonus episode from the Grand Ole Opry, so stay tuned. Hey, let's get into today's show. My guest today is a member of, well, she's a former member of one of the biggest pop R&B groups in history, Destiny's Child. I mean, literally one smash hit after the other, performed in stadiums and arenas all around the world. She went on to appear in television shows. She starred in theater productions. Basically, she's done it all. Incredibly talented. But she began to really struggle in her life with depression, and she found herself planning her own funeral in 2018, and that's when she checked herself into a treatment facility. I don't want to get too much into the details because she's going to tell her story, but I'm telling you right now, it's a truth be told kind of story, and I'm so inspired by her courage. She's just released a brand new book called Checking In, How Getting Real About Depression Saved My Life and Can Save Yours. I I like that, and I like what she's about, and I think you're going to be inspired by this conversation. Let's go to the story house with a true survivor, Michelle Williams. All right, Michelle, are you a McDonald's coffee drinker? Not every day, (laughs) but because I had such an early morning, you know, I know 
you you sing the God who stays, but sometimes <laughs> I didn't want my sleep to stay. <laughs> That's right. So I had to. By the way, I, that was probably a corny way to say. I love that song. Are you kidding me? Who stays? Come on, am I blushing right now? <laughs> Are we gonna do a duet before this interview's over? That would be, that would I would retire after that. This is my we dream. We can do it. You know, I was <laughs> at my godparents' home in the Maryland area, and they have the the thing where you say so and so plays so and so. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that song was playing, and um, yeah, I've never forgotten it, and I play it. Wow. Wow, I'm I'm humbled to hear that. Um, you and I actually, you might not know this, but so I've I've been digging in and learning more about you, and we have a few things in common, I believe. Ooh, uh, we're both from Illinois. Yep. Which part of Illinois are you from? So I grew up in uh, on the main streets of Downers Grove, Illinois, the suburbs of Chicago. The main, <laughs> not I mean main the streets. The main streets. The absolute <laughs> ghetto. No. Hey, where kidding. Where did you grow up? Rockford, Rockford, Illinois. Yeah, I got lots of miles friends. west of Chicago. Lots of friends in Rockford, Illinois. But now, wh- at what age did you move away from Illinois? To be honest, I just sold my home there in 2017. Oh, no kidding. Yep. I had a home there in a small town called Roscoe, kind of teetering between like like Jake Lake Geneva and the Wisconsin yeah. border. I know exactly where that is. Okay, so where's home for you now? Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so we're not too far from each other. You're in Nashville. I'm in Nashville. Come so on. one of these days when you come to Nashville, you got to come over. This My studio is called The Story House. So you can come over to The Story House and we'll write a song together or sing The God Who Stays together or something. How about that? Shut up. What? I'll get in my car now and drive. I'm a driver. <laughs> Let's I'll go. I'll be there at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'd love that, but I think you got a bunch of interviews talking about I an amazing new book. I have plan today, but I trust me, I will take you up on that offer. All right. I am about connection, yes. genuine connections. Um, so trust me, I'm going to take you up on that offer, and you better have some coffee. Oh, I'll, I'll have some coffee. I, I'll make my own over here, but if you if you need a McDonald's run, we can do that too. So That's fine, but I, I would love to try what you've got going on over there. All right, there. yeah. Um, so, okay, so number one, we grew up in Illinois. Number two, we both grew up singing in the church. Is this true? Absolutely, hands down true. I was in everything that you could sing. I was sunshine band, choir, but then I became a, a choir director and the praise and worship leader. Like I really believe had I not moved away and done music professionally, I literally know that I would be, we call them worship pastors now. I'd be a worship pastor by now. Okay. That's what I thought. And I, I saw your interview on Good Morning America and Robin Roberts showed a, a an old school picture choir robes and all. And that was, so what year would that picture have been and and how did how do they get those pictures? Do they? I mean, they've got your PR like digging into your old digging, photo albums and stuff. Absolute <laughs> digging. Um, let's see. That was in the nineties, like ninety four ish. And uh, were you slightly embarrassed to see that picture show up, or what? Slightly embarrassed, <laughs> but I was like, "Let me call everybody in my hometown." Be like, "Our church yes. is on Good Morning America." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so number one, we grew up in, we both grew up in Illinois. We both grew up singing in the church. I'm a preacher's kid. You know, our third thing we have in common is we both went on to be one third of, of an all female pop super group that took over the Wait, no, that's, that's where our similarities end. I think, um, that was my corny joke that I wrote down. I had to read it, but I no, love but, it. 
But seriously, uh, one more thing that I feel like we have in common and one thing I was really excited, one of the reasons excited was the word I would describe for me coming into this interview is that I think we're both on a similar mission to encourage people to be honest about themselves, to let the, I've got a song out right now called Truth Be Told. And it just says, you know, it's that reminder that we can stand in God's presence unashamed, knowing that he knows every part of our lives and he still loves us. And yet we live our lives so afraid that other Mm. people might judge us or think differently or less of us if we're honest about what we're struggling with. And so I just had to tell you right off the bat here at the beginning, I was fired up when I saw the title of your new book, I could tell right away I was going to get the chance to talk to a brave individual who's willing to let the truth be told with your new book checking in. So that's something I feel like we have in common. And this podcast is all about telling your story and knowing that God can speak through some of those chapters of our stories that we may have been made to feel are too damaged or too worthless. So so I'm excited about your new book. It just came out and it's available everywhere, right? It is available everywhere. It's available in independent bookstores. It's available at practically every retailer. And your website probably too, right? Yes, checkinginbook.com. Checkinginbook.com. Okay, so are you freaking out? Because this is your first book. Are you Describe your level of excitement right now about this book or, or fear or whatever the emotions might be. Sometimes excitement and fear can feel like the same thing. So I'm going to go ahead and say I'm excited. I I refuse to believe. Okay, okay, it's a little bit of fear. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be I was trying to be spiritual. I know. know, I, I was trying to I was trying to not speak it. But hey, you know, Matthew, it feels like, you know, by the way, you know, I just Make sure I purchased your album, brand new, <laughs> the deluxe edition. Oh, you're sweet. So you're as sweet. you're releasing music, it's like releasing music. Are people going to love it? Yeah. Is it going to do well sales wise? Let's right. be honest. All these different measures, yeah. You know, because how many people have tried to be fake humble? Well, if it only sells one copy, yeah. <laughs> if you reach just one person, right? Nope, Michelle? that's not why I wrote this book. <laughs> All right. That's not why we go in the studio to sell one copy. That's right. That's right. You know, so God bless those who that's your true heart, but that's definitely not mine. And it's to the reason why it is not mine is because there are millions of people who were feeling the way I was feeling. And you don't have to go out and scream it from the mountaintops, but you can hold that book and say, I know exactly what she's talking about. Wow, she's been able to go get some help and and get some therapy, but Mm. she loved Jesus? Yes. What? You mean to tell me? I mean, Dr. Anita Phillips, she's an amazing, she's a psychologist, but she's also a preacher. She says, um, prayer is a weapon, therapy is a strategy. And that's the message I want to get out there. That's powerful. So I want to ask you this, how much of a challenge was it in writing this book? It's called Checking In which I love the title, by the way. And before we're done, we're going we're to talk about the significance of why you chose that title. But it's a very important title. And the subtitle of it, read me the subtitle of your book. It's Checking In and then... How Getting Real About Depression Saved My Life and How It Can Save Yours Too. Okay, so right off the bat, you're letting the reader and you're letting your fans and your audience know 
Hey, this is what this book is about, and this is what I've been through. And they're about to pour through these pages, and they're going to hear the story of someone who has spent a lot of time in your life in the public spotlight. And describe the challenge of getting honest about your struggle with depression, having spent so much of your time having to put on a show put on a face and in every in our own ways whether you're a plumber or a singer in our own ways we're all going to be tempted to to put on a face to put on a show to let people know that we're fine even if we're falling apart inside but i feel like that's amped up when you are to the level of you know i mean you've got like two million followers on instagram you've you've traveled around the world you've been on broadway people are watching you the hair and the makeup are all done before you hit the stage, the music videos. So talk about the challenge of crossing that bridge towards honesty about what's really going on in the hopes of finding true healing in your life. Well, in our industry, it starts when maybe you just had a headache or you were nauseous, but you went on stage anyway and you performed. You were probably battling stomach wow. flu. Yeah. Okay, you go on stage anyway. Right. That athlete... Maybe you sprained your ankle. What do we do? You just wrap it up, maybe get an injection in the area of the pain. You go out there and you keep going. Like a sign of strength or like you're over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're also thinking, man, I can't let these folks down who are out here ready to see us play. So imagine you do the same thing with depression. I got to go out here. I can't let people know what I'm really going through. I don't want to be a liability. Mm. Then you're also thinking, Matthew, you know, how many people probably tell you, Matthew, I want to sing like you one day. No one ever says I want to be depressed like you one day. So <laughs> you're like, I want people to still say they want to be like me, not shy away and be like, ooh, because what we do, it makes people, it inspires people. So it's it, it was hard. But now, Matthew, I can't. Maybe it comes with getting older. But there are too many people who are dying because they didn't feel like they could check in with someone. They didn't feel like they were worthy or they there's so much shame associated sometimes with depression because and that grows that's from the stigma of also maybe people making you feel like you're not praying enough, you're in sin. So it's like I am praying, I'm not in sin. I guess I better keep this to myself because why do we equate mental health issues with sin and what somebody isn't doing enough of. But if you go and tell somebody you're diabetic or you, you got lupus, we just say, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Right. Right. It's a double standard. Well, what you're getting at is how some of that shame is actually brought about by the place that should be filled with grace instead of shame. And that's the church. Absolutely. So if you and I both grew up in church, then I wonder do you remember even growing up? First of all, I'm curious, like how long ago, if you looked back over the story of your life, where were some of the beginnings of what you, you just didn't know what to call it, but now you know it was depression. How long ago was, you know, can you see the first evidence of that in your life? Around in the seventh grade. Wow. Okay. Isolation, grades dropping, sleeping a lot, losing interest in the things that I really, really, really love. And so I thought maybe I'm just going through puberty. I mean, right. that's what you're going through around that time. And then I, my heart goes out to my parents because when my mom, I, my father's no longer living, but I can imagine the hurt that my mother feels like 
how did I overlook this? Because you have teenagers, so they're probably thinking, uh-huh, she just doesn't want to talk to mommy and dad anymore, so she just goes and shuts her door. She wants to be cool. You know, you got teenagers, when you get home from school, you shut the door because you're playing video games. Yeah, right, right. Or you're on the phone. Yeah. You know, but for me, I was asleep, you know, and so they would just probably thought, oh, that's, you know, just, she's just going through Puberty, let, let's right. let her do what she's got to yeah, do. She's to get in a bad it. mood. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yep, just moody. But, but looking back now, you know that it was more than that. It was more than yeah. that. And when I got, I, I got a diagnosis in my 30s that it was, in fact, depression. Gotcha. What was that like to get that diagnosis? Was there, was there freedom in that diagnosis in terms of, or was there, you know, a little bit of shame as well for fear of, you know, people knowing what's going on and that stigma of shame and how that stigma can be brought about as a young child growing up in church where they're saying you're not praying enough or whatever it might be. What did that feel like when you finally took those steps? I'm going to, I'm going to guess that you went to see a counselor. Yeah, I went to go see a counselor and then she referred me to a psychiatrist to get the assessment because some therapists, depending on their certification, I don't think they can diagnose. Mm. Um, so they sent me to get an assessment. And so when they uttered the words depression and some PTSD, mm. part of I was angry because I was like, how did I go so long? Because what I was angry about was like, if I had an earlier diagnosis, how I coped with it probably would have been a little healthier and a little different. So when you go from the seventh grade all the way up into your 30s, you learn how to cope, you build walls, you're not healed. And so by the time you have a breakdown or a psychotic break, you've hurt, you've defiled people around you as well. Talk about in... uh something happened in 2018 and this is what which by the way i just have to say even before i finish asking this question i'm just inspired and you're inspiring a ton of people right now on this interview and every other interview you're doing and when people pick up your book the fact that you're willing to talk about broken moments in your life man that's going to reach right to people in the middle of their most broken moment and they'll hopefully take the brave steps that you're taking so i just want to say i want to encourage you as i know i'm probably one of many interviews you're about to do but like the lord is going to speak through these broken chapters of your story i know you already know that because you've written this book I and you're daring to believe that moments but Ooh, these broken amazing. moments and and you describe one in 2018 that took place i want you to unpack that a little bit and and thank you in advance for being willing to do so, I guess. Well, in July of 2018, I was just feeling unsafe with myself. And I love being home, by the way. The pandemic didn't bother me at all. I was home. I love being home. It bothered me in other ways to know that people were dying. Sure, but, yeah. Um, but in 2018, I was just too comfortable with the thoughts of suicide. I was way too comfortable to the point where I was like, huh, this could be it something cool. And I called my therapist in Los Angeles because that's where I was living at the time. And we began to search out various treatment centers. So I remember, um, I remember getting in a truck, just going and checked myself in. I'm like, why didn't I didn't take an overnight bag or nothing. It was just my phone and purse. And they were like, yeah, we're gonna, you fit the description of somebody who needs to be here for a while. And it was to the point where a nurse 
went to a store to buy me clothes, the necessities that I needed because I was they were like, yeah, you you need to stay. And so I was like, okay. And then I had to put out a statement because uh, TMZ found out where I was. And I was like, I can't let them put that out. It's called getting ahead of the story because I didn't know what they were going to say. And right, right. So my manager, how I found out my manager called me in the hospital. Mind you, I, I couldn't have a phone or a purse, but I had to use a pay phone. So they, the front desk calls you and says, hey, you got a phone call. It's like when you call the hospital, there's a code that people have to have. It's very like lockdown. And so when he told me that, I was like, what? Matthew, this is another reason why people don't get help. People in our shoes won't get help because they're like, is it going to be on ChristianityToday.com or TMZ? Like, it's, you know, instead of you letting a person tell their story. But in a way, I looked at it like, okay, let me not look at it as so negative because I'm doing the same thing that I tell people to do was to get help. Because I've been advocating since about 2012 for mental health. So it's like, well, six years later into advocating, I, I got to right. go do what I've been telling people to do as right. well. Right. I think what you just shared is really important too, because when we have the struggles in our lives, like I think we pray that the Lord will deliver us completely from stuff that's going on in our lives, right? Like Paul prayed, Lord, just remove this thorn from my side, right? And Paul prayed that prayer three times, you know, but what was the Lord's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. And so I think there's even strength in that, like, because you might feel so much defeat after being an advocate for all these years that you would even be more tempted to mask what was really going on in 2018. And so I applaud you for continuing to be honest and be open and continue to find that healing. I'm curious. It's it's funny because, okay, if somebody knows the name Michelle Williams and knows everything associated with your, I mean, if somebody goes and spends five minutes on your Wikipedia and hears about your accomplishments, your successes, one of the things that I felt ignorant not knowing was like, wait a minute, like you're not only known around the world as this awesome pop singer and Destiny's Child, all these things, but your career on the Broadway stage. And I mean, you've like, if there's something that, that could be done, I mean, your talent, it's just unbelievable. It's, and I was so impressed by that. And I think if somebody were to like, guess what's the title of a book written by Michelle Williams, some of the things I wrote down would be from an outside looking in, they might go, Oh, how about life at the top by Michelle? How about dream come true? How about, you know, right. You know what I mean? Like history maker and things or whatever those things might be that would be descriptions of the success you've achieved. I'm curious what does it look like to be struggling with depression? Is it possible to be struggling with just depression even when you're at the top of the mountain, even when you're experiencing great success? What's that like and how did you deal with that? Ooh, you said something there like, see now you, that was good. <laughs> this would have been the title on the outside looking in, life on the top, but dream come true because it was, it was all right. of that. And I can understand why people have even said, you've had all that success. How can you be depressed? And it's like, well. Yeah, like what she got to worry about kind of thing, what right? What she got to worry about. The depression should have went away, you know, once you got that first big check. Right, you know? yeah. Now, it helped me pay my student loans quicker. Right. It, it did help do that. 
<laughs> it, it helped me be able to just pay it off in one check. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that, right? Praise God for that. <laughs> Praise God for that. But when you've been dealing with something for so long and you've just coped in an unhealthy way, it's bound to rear its ugly head sooner than later. But that is why now almost three years in of consistent help. Because even when I got my diagnosis, I was in and out of therapy. I would go to therapy when something was wrong instead of really taking time to really peel back the layer and get get to the root of all the behaviors. And I I didn't give, earlier, I didn't give the therapy uh, the chance because I was like, okay, I feel better now after this session. Okay, what's the next gig? Yes, I had a counselor describe that to me as uh, he said something about it being like, a flight to health where like your mind, your mind wants to tell you like you're recovered way quicker than you are, way whether quick, it's even from so a physical good. injury. And so you're like, uh, and I'd be the same way. Like, okay, I went and saw that counselor. And I think that's why my counselor said that to me. Cause he could see it in my mind. Like, okay, now I'm ready to hit the stage or, or now I'm ready to take this. Even, even for, for people like us, Michelle, that tendency to go, okay, whatever's happened in my life, I'm going to find a way to, to spin it and get on stage. And then, Sometimes we can be in too much of a hurry to turn a mess into a message. That's so good. And that's what happened in 2018. I'm like, okay, I gotta fi- I'm supposed to do a reality show. And that was a whole mess. So I go promote the reality show. At the same time, I'm rehearsing for a Broadway show. What in the world was I doing two months after a hospitalization? I should have been taking time off healing and working instead of, you know, okay, are you okay? The psychiatrist calling, they checking up on me, you know what I mean? And then um, December of 2018, it really came crashing all the way down, down. And so since then I made the decision for 2019, I worked four times in 2019, not knowing that I'd be setting myself up for 2020 when a lot of us had to shut down in 2020. So it was like my 2019 was almost prophetic to what the shutdown in 2020. Yeah. And that's when I was decided I have to be intentional about this healing because like you said, we can get too early trying to turn the mess into a message. And God wants us to, if he's called you to share it, share it. But I want to continue to share from the more healed whole place that I'm in right now. And it's been daily daily work when I and I moved to Atlanta so all I was doing was working out church therapy work out church therapy an occasional crawfish boil work out (laughs) (laughs) therapy church that's good that's it and that was a simple life I had to cut my life down into more simple life My friends, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you've heard so many of our guests talk about when telling their stories, how important counseling has been in their mental and emotional and spiritual health. You've heard me talk about it as well. And I want to tell you, it's so important to know that we've all got some broken chapters of our stories, but those broken chapters don't have to stay broken. And most importantly, they don't have to stay hidden. We all need help. We all need encouragement. We all need support. And counseling can be a huge part of us 
taking the next steps towards health in our life. And that's why it's my honor to tell you about this group called BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. This is so convenient and so important. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. Now, this is not self-help. It's professional counseling. You get to send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to leave the comfort of your couch. You don't have to go to an uncomfortable waiting room. How important is that? BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if that's ever needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. There's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. Licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, and the list goes on. Anything you share is confidential. This is convenient. These folks are professional and they want to help you and it's affordable. In short, they're trying to remove the barriers between you and you getting better help. I want you to check out BetterHelp. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors now in all 50 states. How awesome is that? I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com MWP. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MWP. You guys have heard me talk about Indeed before. If you run a business, then Indeed, you need Indeed. (laughs) See what I did there? With Indeed, you're closer than ever to being able to hire candidates with the skills that you need. You don't need stacks of resumes on your desk. You don't need more work. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, you get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skill tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27 So you get the right person, but you get the right person faster. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests or add your own and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet those requirements. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. In short, if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash west get $75 credit at indeed.com slash west indeed.com slash west offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply let's 
until the Lord calls us home and our story reaches an end here on earth, we will always be works in progress. So we should not, we should not say to ourselves, I'm going to wait until I've perfected the art of being me before I let God use my story. So we can't do that. And Paul was another great example of that. Like Paul was writing the whole New Testament pretty much saying, I'm the chief of sinners. So he knew he was a work in progress, but he also, I think what you're saying too, is also to get to that point where you're, where you're doing the hard work and the hard work is, is really found in those two words, checking in now. So back to that title of the book, checking in, you talk about three pillars of checking in. Can you kind of unpack that uh, for us here today? We discovered on my journey that there were a couple things that I used to do and maybe I stopped doing, checking in with myself, meaning not ignoring how I'm feeling, being self-aware, because when you are aware, you can almost, certain responses and reactions won't be because you're aware. You're like, oh, wait, ooh, okay, let me write that down because I, I got to process that. Why did I feel that? Checking in with others. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Checking in with others also means, ooh, I think I'm having a problem in this ish, in this area. Not that you're my therapist, but I just want to let you know. You're my safe place too. Checking in with God. God, you see, you know, or God, I just thank you. I just praise you for this awesome day. God, I thank you for helping me to be aware and sending people in my life to help me work work through this. And God, you're with me. You're inside of me, giving me what I need to work through it and to be an overcomer. All three of those things really require us to, to push the noise of the world away, don't they? You know, I think... What I love about those three pillars that you just shared is two of the three require us to take our eyes off of ourselves for a second. I know that your faith is important to you. And that third one, checking in with God, can you describe just how important your faith in God has been through this entire process and just how much you rely on on your faith to get you through those those difficult moments when you're checking in and you don't like what you're seeing during the check-in and you're struggling and and the moments in 2018 you know what was it like to know that you had a savior who was with you even when you felt all alone when everything was breaking down when everything did break down when you look around all the rubble the foundation was still there faith that's all i had left to stand on that's all i had that's all i had left and I'm thankful to God for that. You know, I had friends who would make fun of me because of how much of church I was in, but it helped craft. And so now it's my responsibility, you know, as my relationship with God to continue cultivating it. My faith is stronger. When I look back at the track record I have with God or the track record, I'm like, God, you pulled me through that. You can do anything. Come on. You can do anything. Go write that song. You pulled me through. Man, that's awesome. That's powerful. Pen in hand. Go write that Come song. On. That's I'm the writing next, that down. That's it. Pull you pulled me, me through. through. Come on. That's powerful. One of the questions that I ask every guest is I talk about a blue couch. Oh, and broken moments. And broken moments. Come on. You pulled me through the broken moments. <laughs> that's uh oh, all right. Well, are we really writing? Let's a song go. Right Let's go. I'm getting chills just hearing what you're sharing, Michelle. This is powerful stuff, and people need to pick up this book. 
by the way, you know, this podcast, I don't know if you know, but just by doing this podcast, you're proven to sell a million more books. Just this podcast has that much. I'm just kidding. It's only my mom and my oh, dad. Listen, listen. We want to speak that. <laughs> Ma- Matthew, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> listen, I've been saying this in as many interviews as possible because, too, we got to check in with the, the words that we speak. Yes. And the words that we write. Yes. Look up the definition of future. It means, of course, it means time to come. But it also means the moment in time following speaking or writing. Mm, so you I like that a million books gonna be sold that's it that's it that's what we're <laughs> I, gonna go with i got a feeling good morning america interview might help you more towards that than this one but every little bit it helped but you know what i don't take lightly your listeners who may have never heard of me but resonate with my story or who say that's it i heard of her but i just thought she was some girl that sang bootylicious <laughs> But wow, does she she really has a story to tell? She's checking in now. That's it. <laughs> this is so good, Michelle. I one of the questions I ask every guest is a sort of a quirky question, but I talk about a blue couch story a lot. And a, a big part of my story was I'll never forget this picture in my life. I was sitting on a blue couch in my Chicago suburb basement of my home, and I accidentally found a Billy Graham crusade. And uh it was a moment where Faith became more than just a family business, and it became real to me, and I asked Jesus into my heart. And of course, there's been many more blue couch moments along the way where, and what I mean by a blue couch moment is a moment where God shows himself to me, and it feels real all over again. There's that first moment, and then there's many moments after. I feel like the story you told about 2018 in in its own way was a blue couch moment where you hit this broken place, and what you said, your faith was still a foundation. I'm curious— what was the very first moment where you remembered God knocking at the door of your heart? Maybe it was even as a little kid. I just love to hear people travel back to a moment where they first said yes to Jesus because it kind of gives us perspective of like, man, here's where we are now. And it all started back then. Can you remember a blue couch moment for your life? I might be that girl that was in that choir robe. Listen, I remember going to the altar for the first time probably around that same age of maybe sixth, seventh grade-ish, because it's like now you're sitting in church and you should be paying attention. And there were certain things that were just tugging at my heart. And I just remember taking that step. I mean, it was we was baptized as kids, right? Right. But taking that step down that long aisle to the altar. <laughs> I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing like this purple silk rayon shirt. <laughs> And these kulaks that a church mother scolded me for. Wow. But I was like, didn't you just see I got saved? (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge me. Love me. (laughs) Love me. And I remember that moment. I sure do. I sure do. I remember even the first time going down to the altar to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That was a disaster. (laughs) Because I felt like I was supposed to like be speaking in tongues right oh, there. <laughs> I had a moment like that too, and I felt so guilty that I. That's so funny. So we had that in common too. Yes, and I was like, oh, like, but once I got saved, yeah, the Holy Spirit resided in me. Now speaking in tongues is is evidence apparently, but I spoke in tongues for the first time years later in my living room, just having a moment. Right, so right. I was like. Oh, That's it. Isn't that funny how we get, man, we get so misdirected sometimes from the people that are supposed to be 
leading us yes. in the right direction. And why why is grace such a hard concept to really let it sink in? But let me tell you, Michelle, I feel like with your book checking in, you're telling a story of the grace you've discovered mm. in your life and you're giving grace to other people. And so I just want to applaud you for telling your story in such a way that you're going to give people that are reading this book and even hearing you tell your story right now who are really struggling and they're afraid to check in. I, I watched the documentary of uh, the great music maker, David Foster. Yeah, and that was good. Uh, there was one point, though, where they were talking about how he needs to go to counseling and he said he refuses to go and nobody can make him go. One of the things he said, he's like, I don't want to go because I'm afraid of what I might find. I got a good thing going now. And I thought, OK, but here I'm sitting here talking to Michelle Williams, who's willing to go do the hard work, because after that hard work, she's finding some true healing that few people ever really get to tap into in their lives. Some true healing. And I can really, those walls come down and I can really receive love and give love from a genuine place. But I can also receive really the love of God, the true living waters. And it's like, when I, when I think of David Foster, I'm like, he thinks he's writing good songs now. Imagine. Can you imagine? imagine. Man, that actually hits home for me too. I think about that too. Like, you know, why do we settle for a puddle when there's just a vast ocean of, of God's love that we could be just, uh, so walk- good, I mean, man, Jesus visiting the woman at the well is that picture I'm hearing as you're talking to where he, she came to that well for water and Jesus is looking at her. He's like, I have what you need. I have exactly. I have that, you know? And, uh, so just as Jesus revealed himself to that woman at the well, by you sharing your story of grace and healing and the importance of checking in, there's so many people that are going to take the first steps maybe towards their own journey towards healing. So the importance of checking in with self, checking in with others. And I love that you didn't leave this off, but that third and most important checking in with God who sees you as you are, loves you just as you are, but he's about to make you something new too. And uh, I'm so thankful that we got the chance to meet today, Michelle. Absolutely. We got to connect. I'll come to Atlanta. You come to Nashville. I was looking down at something. I was trying to find this scripture, Isaiah 61, seven about, for your shame, ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. And so, you know, that should silence your shame. That's shame. awesome. Silence the shame, man. I tell you what, today you've been speaking in song titles. And so uh, I'll encourage you with that, that uh, the world needs more Michelle music too, all right? I know we're focusing on the book, but uh, you're going to be singing some more too. Is that in the works? Once I come to Matthew West Studio. <laughs> we'll be singing I'm songs. I'm on the way. A, I'll be on the I way, I love friend. it. From a joyful heart. I needed this conversation today too. So I just want to thank you for joining me. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm super excited for the future. Here's the last thing I would just leave you with. Um, I don't know why I feel the need to encourage you, but I just think it's so cool that here we were talking about what titles could have been for your book, Life on Top, you know, History Maker. Isn't it just like God that your greatest impact in life may all the stuff on the stage, all well and good, but here you are being honest, 
telling your story and helping other people. And I mean, you want to talk about a legacy that this book and you telling your story is going to leave. That's the good stuff. And that's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that has eternal value. That's so good. Thank you so much. All right, now it's time for songs from the story house. Today's song from the story house is handpicked because of today's guest, Michelle Williams, because of her story of surviving and also because her group, Destiny's Child, had a song called Survivor that was awesome. So this is my song, Survivors, from the Story of Your Life album in 2010. Has it been that long? Take a listen. You've been dropped like a dream to the floor. You've been told not to try anymore. But you're waking from yesterday's war Cause you're a survivor And your strength has been stolen away And your faith has been worn to a fray But you live to live on one more day Cause you're a survivor Now, this song was originally inspired by the story of a sweet lady named Melody who has battled cancer for many, many years. She lives in Seattle, Washington, and I've gotten to become friends with she and her whole family. Uh, She's just the picture of bravery, the picture of courage, the picture of what it looks like to survive. And, uh, you know, with Michelle, we were talking about surviving bouts with depression and shame and disappointment and in melody's case it was a physical battle with a cancer diagnosis which sadly too many of us know about that or have a connection with a family member a loved one who is bravely battling cancer just like melody has take a listen to this second verse and you'll see how those lines were inspired by the story of this remarkable lady melody in seattle washington check it out I wrote this song to be an anthem for my friend Melody to help give her courage and strength as she continues to fight her brave battle with cancer. And I hope that this story and this song in combination with Michelle's testimony that you just heard about her battle with depression, I hope this fires you up today, all right? This is the real stuff of life. This is the real struggle. And we are survivors, okay? Now, I want you to listen to the rest of this song. And in in this final section of the song, I visit Romans 8, 38 
and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, if God is for us, who can be against us? We are survivors. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why our last segment of the show today is called Dad Vice. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, when I was growing up, one of our favorite movies that had come out was The Goonies, and it's the story of this like ragtag bunch of kids who find a treasure map, right, that leads them to the lost treasure of one-eyed Willie and this pirate ship and all the things. And, you know, as a kid, you're just like fascinated by the thought of following a map and reaching this, these riches, these treasures. And we're going to focus on the word treasure today. And the reminder that the Bible is in its own way, a treasure map, right? But it's not leading us to the same conclusion that, you know, the Goonies, barely escaped and they escaped empty handed. But, but I love that the Bible offers us um, the solution to find treasure and where to keep treasure. And it's going to be a treasure that will last. Yes. Uh, the Bible is a true treasure map, of course. And uh, it really tells us what uh, a true treasure uh, is. So we want to uh, talk about that. And our just uh, key verses, Matthew 6, 20 and 21, gives us some great insight on what true treasure is. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Look at these three things. 
treasures on earth, earthly treasures. There's a comparison between earthly treasures, treasures on earth, and heavenly treasures and treasures in heaven. Earthly treasures, this is what that is about. It's storing up treasure on earth is just a temporary activity. Nothing we will save will last. We are encouraged not to spend all of our energy thinking and planning and saving so that we'll be provided for on earth. And that's a hard thing. Uh, A lot of times we think that our treasure is on earth and there's no other treasure. And a lot of people are blinded to that. Uh, The American dream is great to chase and there's nothing wrong with financial planning and success but the danger lies in making it our ultimate treasure. When we do that, it captures our heart and demands our focus. So when our treasure is only on the earth and not towards God, then we get in trouble. The second thing, treasures in heaven, heavenly treasures. Instead of storing treasures on your earth, the scripture says we are to store up treasures in heaven. What are heavenly treasures? The Jewish leaders define storing up treasures in heaven as deeds of mercy and deeds of kindness to people in distress. Here's uh, Luke 12. It says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. This is just the opposite of how we've been taught as a little child. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, your heart is also. It's so important that we we look at this, and uh, it, it's totally the opposite. We think we got to store it up. We got to save it. We got to keep it. But the Bible says, give it away, and then you're storing treasure in heaven. Matthew, remember um, one time, you were a little boy at the time, and we were trying to teach you about giving and not always taking. And uh, I had had a cookie in my hand, and I said to you, Matthew, uh, if this was the only cookie in the world, what would you do with it? And standing next to you, there's a hungry boy. What would you do with that cookie? And you looked at that cookie, and you looked at me, and you kind of hesitated, and then you came out with these words, I would share it. And I thought, hey, that's pretty good for a young kid. I I wanted you to say I would give it all, but that's pretty hard in our human nature. But treasure in heaven is giving what we have to those in need. And then the last point is a tough question. Where are our treasures? Are they here on earth collecting dust or are they in heaven To find out, we must ask ourselves, what do I love the most? What am I focusing on the most? Me, my family, my bank account are the needs of others. Where is my heart? Am I generous to those in need? Could I show more compassion today? Let's be determined to make sure we are storing up heavenly treasures by looking out for the needs around us. That's an important brand new perspective on where our treasures are found, where our treasures are stored. And uh, I think we all need that reminder on a daily basis because the temptation is always there to store up for ourselves treasures on earth. And yet, you know, if anybody's ever had an experience where they were generous, where they found somebody in need and they helped to meet that need, 
I want you to remember that moment. Hopefully it hasn't been too long since you've experienced something like that. And then remember, remember the sense of fulfillment that you had in that moment when you've met somebody's need, when you lived generously, when you gave big, when you gave dangerously and soak that reminder up and then seek that out more because that, my friends, is where true treasure is found. And ultimately the eternal reward of heaven is our ultimate treasure that we can look forward to and is going to be way better than any treasure on this earth. Thanks, Dad. That's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Michelle Williams, for joining me, for sharing her story, for letting the truth be told, and for helping other people find freedom and knowing that they're not alone. So her brand new book is awesome. It just came out. We're going to post a link at the official podcast page so you can pick up your very own copy. Support Michelle. And uh, she goes even deeper into her story there. And I think it's really going to inspire you. So the official podcast page is MatthewWest.com slash podcast. Go check it out. Also want to thank my dad, as always, for joining me with another episode of Dad Vice. You guys love him. I know you love his dad jokes as well. And uh, we go live every week on Facebook and Instagram just to take your prayer requests and provide some midweek encouragement. If you don't follow me on socials yet, be sure to go do that. Facebook is Matthew West Music and Instagram, Matthew J. West. And we go live every week. We take your prayer requests, and it's just one of the functions of our ministry. We want to be there to kind of walk through life with you. So join us every week for that as well, just like we hope this podcast will do. Encourage you wherever you're at in your journey to know that the best is yet to come. I want to encourage you to check out our ministry's website at popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E. We are building a community of people who know that there's power in our stories, and when we share our story we give God glory. And that is something we all, when we tap into that, that's when our lives get good. So go to popweed.org today. When you get there, you can submit a prayer request. You can record and tell your story to be an encouragement to somebody else. You can sign up to receive a free weekly Devo straight to your email inbox, free of charge from us to you. Again, all these different touch points with the desire of encouraging you in your journey, and your faith in Christ. So be sure to check out popweed.org. All right, guys, make it a great day. Remember, it's your story for his glory, and I'll see you next week.